0: The Detroit Tigers drop a weekend series to the Boston Red Sox. But, you know, these games are still meaningful. And maybe not in the sense of, like, standings. But uh, they're certainly very meaningful to several players. There's a lot of auditions still happening. And so, yeah, let's talk about it all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, August 14th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, Part Of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty, everybody. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Uh, the Tigers played a three game set at Fenway Park over the weekend and dropped two of three. Lost Friday, lost Sunday won the game two on Saturday. So, um, you know, th- there's uh, still a lot to take from all these games, which was my point at the beginning there. Like, th- th- there is there is still so much to play for for all of these guys on an individual level. And, like, even if that doesn't result in this team, like, making a run or, or anything, because they won't. Or, or, like, you know, like, making a playoff push, because, again, they won't. Um, that, that doesn't mean that there is still not a lot of inner organization competition happening from a lot of different players and um, and a lot of different positions, I guess I should say. So th- there's quite a few players this weekend that I think are, are, A, either having really good stretches or poor stretches, and B, when talking about the last six weeks here of the season, last month and a half of the season – Uh, uh, it's a very important last six weeks, month and a half of a season for a lot of these guys. So we're going to kind of hone in on that and, and and talk about what makes that so important. And you know, this, what their performance has been recently, obviously. So let's start with some roster moves over the weekend. There were several, uh, kind of scattered throughout the weekend, On Friday, Chasen Shreve was designated for assignment, and the corresponding move for that was Will Vest coming back from the IL. Uh, I think the addition of Vasquez from the, well, waiver wire, but from the Phillies, we talked about him. He actually pitched great this weekend. He pitched an inning and a third and struck out three batters over the weekend. I think he only pitched on Friday, but um, he's looked good. We talked about him. We kind of broke him down the slider heavy left-handed reliever and uh, if they believe that that is an improvement as a left-handed reliever over Chase and Shreve then that makes a lot of sense as why Chase and Shreve was on the outside looking in um, you know we talked a lot at the trade deadline about like why on earth is, did Chase and Shreve not get traded uh, look I mean if no one wanted him no one wanted him uh, that I mean that goes without saying obviously if there was truly no market for him then that's all there is to it but um, I don't know. He was a lefty reliever that had a sub-2 ERA in May and June combined, like for a two-month stretch. He had a sub-two ERA. April, he had like an eight ERA. In July, I think it was over three or four. So like it, it's kind of was sandwiched in between two not as great months, but like he was a lefty that showed the ability to go on decent stretches. I I don't know. I have a hard time believing that there was just like zero market for him, but you wouldn't have gotten anything crazy in return for him anyways. It would have been probably some prospect that uh, most people never think would have made the major. So I guess if this is, I'm not like losing sleep over the fact that they DFA'd him instead of trading him, whatever. Uh, You know, like I said, the return we got wouldn't have been crazy anyway, but just out of principle, that was something that uh, somewhat surprised me, I guess. So Jason Shreve, DFA'd no longer on the team. I believe they uh, they they were going to release him as of Sunday, which, again, makes a lot of sense. Then we have uh, Jason Foley returning from the bereavement list uh, in order to make room for him. Trey Wingenter was sent down to AAA Toledo. And I think, oh, and then Javi also put on the bereavement list. Finally, we've kind of been waiting for that. That seemed inevitable uh, and Isan Diaz, the man we talked about on Friday, that the Tigers picked up and claimed off of waivers uh, from the Giants, I believe, uh, was going to be the person replacing him. And he went 0 for 2 in his debut game on Sunday. So now you're caught up with the roster moves. Let's talk about these games. I want to talk about the Red Sox season really quickly because I think it's kind of fascinating. Uh, The Red Sox were a team where going into the season, like weirdly, a lot of people were just like, this is the worst team in the division. They're awful, blah, blah, blah. And I, we, we, on this show, actually, we did kind of like a season looking at the projection totals and the, and the win loss projections for every team in the league. And I was like, I, I, the Red Sox are like decent. Like they're not, they're not going to be, you know, like world series favorites or anything. They're not going to win the AL East or anything, certainly, but like, I, I really – and I was very wrong about the Orioles. They took a much bigger step than I think anybody anticipated. But, um, like, the Red Sox, I was like, they've they got, like, a decent lineup if the pitching can stay healthy and, like, like, like patch together a decent enough rotation. Like, they could find themselves at, you know, the, the back end of the wild card conversation. That's where they sit currently. And there's a few players that – like, Tristan Cassis is unbelievable. If you're not familiar with – First baseman, Tristan Cassis for the Boston Red Sox. Familiarize yourself because he is going to be a problem at the plate. This is a dude that uh, I forget who tweeted it out, but somebody had put out there, or I guess posted it out, whatever it's called now, um, on that ridiculous app. Um, Someone put out there his, his numbers, and over the last month, he has like the second highest OPS in all of baseball. He started off the season, the first like four to six weeks, he was dreadful. And since then, he's been so good that his season OPS is now over 800. And that's despite, again, like a 600 OPS the first five or six weeks of the season. So he has been tremendous over the last like two or three months now. And I think that he's only going to continue to do that. I talked on Friday about how much I love Bayo. The Tigers got to Bayo, which I'm very appreciative of. Uh, but I like he's going to be a really good pitcher long term. Like this is a very much a team that could sneak into that third wild card spot that third spot is uh, i don't think solidified at all i think it's very much up for grabs and the red sox find themselves just a few games out so just wanted to point out kind of you know the the fact that they they really had very low expectations by the general public and um they have been they've been like good enough they, they've been solid they've been good enough to hang around the, the conversation Um, they, they didn't really like go all in and buy at the deadline, but they certainly didn't really sell either. I like they, they traded, uh, Hernandez, right? Enrique Hernandez. Like he, I mean, he's been awful. He was awful at least for the Red Sox. And now hopefully, you know, can turn that around for the Dodgers. But like, yeah, I, I I think the Red Sox are really fascinating and now they have Chris sale healthy. That's kind of like an addition post trade deadline. Um, it, it really it, for a team that again was just given like really no chance to do anything in the offseason, I I it would not shock me if they snuck in and made the postseason. And this series was very, very important to them. I don't think that this was like an overwhelming success for the Boston Red Sox taking down the Tigers and and you know, not sweeping them, taking two of three. Like I'm sure that they're they're fine with it. I think they gained gained a game in the wild card standings. Um, and they looked you know, solid in in their wins. Uh, but like every series from here on out is going to be really, really important for the Red Sox, obviously, that goes without saying. And um it kind of started with with us. So that's like the weird thing to tie it back into the Tigers here. Like this is a a team that over the next six, seven weeks is going to have the ability to play spoilers to a lot of teams. Um, I, I mean, if you just look at their schedule, we'll kind of talk about that at the end of the show. They either play like borderline playoff teams or just like not very great teams. I think they play the Dodgers once. But like besides that, it's it's a lot of like fringy playoff teams or just like bottom of the barrel teams. So The Tigers have a chance to not only play spoilers a little bit to some teams, but like kind of not just completely roll over and have an awful end of the season. They're not going to make a run. I'm not trying to inject optimism into like the, the we're going to win the AL Central people. But like. That's, and again, I have no problem with that. I've said that a million times. You'd be a fan however you want to be a fan, but like there is still a a lot of opportunity for growth within the Tigers lineup, and and they're going to play some winnable games the last month and a half of the season. So uh, maybe let's win some. You know, why not? We'll talk about the schedule again a little bit at the very end of the show. I just want to riff about the Red Sox for a second there. So let's talk about this series. Let's talk about the pitching. Uh, There was some uh, one pretty decent performance that was still really weird and then two not so great performances by tiger starters this weekend we'll talk about that right after i tell y'all about our friends over at game time you can forget planning months in advance because game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always have the best price. Even if you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly where what to expect and where you're sitting before you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Literally two taps on your phone and you're all set. They're sent directly to your phone, so you don't have to dig through your email, your wallet, your purse, very convenient and very clutch. So download the Game Time app, create an account and use code Locked On MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. We got an off day tomorrow. So uh, we're going to take a break, kind of catch up on some news, talk about a little more big picture stuff maybe, talk about some prospects that have been hitting well, just kind of catch up on everything we haven't really had time to catch up because we haven't had an off day in a minute. So uh, we will enjoy that. uh, But let's get back into this series. Also, be sure to check out the Tigers radio home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers. Next thing you know. You're listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast anytime, anywhere. It is an awesome feature. I highly recommend it. Um, So yeah, Red Sox this weekend, pitching performances. Also, the Red Sox have like a sneaky, decent farm system, which like also kind of plays into they didn't just like roll over when Bogarts left. They they, they put some pieces in place. They're going to be decent here. Um, So where do we even want to start with pitching? Genuinely, who do you even want to start with? I guess we can just go chronological, just because I don't know who I want to start with. Tarek Skubal pitched on Friday. Certainly wasn't the best Tarek Skubal performance ever. Uh, it certainly wasn't his worst ever. And and this one was somewhat back to like the Skubal inning type of thing. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. The defense this weekend just was dreadful. I, I mean, there were in each game, literally in each of the three games, there was at least one inning where the entire defense on the field just completely rolled over and was dreadful. And that's like inexcusable stuff, especially when you're playing a better team. And like, that's inexcusable if it happened once this weekend. I'd be coming on here. I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Like, come on. Like literally each game, there was at least one inning where you were like, my goodness, what is happening Behind it, again, we'll get into a little bit more in-depth there when we talk about the defense later, but um that certainly didn't help any of the pitching, especially Scoobles' one inning. He had an unearned run uh, tagged to him over the weekend, and and so, yeah, just like eh, not necessarily his fault, but whatever. What is his fault is he didn't really have swing-and-miss stuff over the weekend on Friday. I don't know why I keep saying over the weekend. He didn't have swing-and-miss stuff on Friday, uh, and usually that's a his bread and butter and he can hit 98 with his fastball and he can locate it really well and, and his slider he can locate really well like that's kind of the the bread and butter of Tarek Skubal especially as a lefty Um, so seeing the somewhat not inability but like struggles to get swings and misses on Friday I think was kind of the, the biggest issue throughout this entire outing uh, I, I don't really think there's too much else to say that the command wasn't awful. He had a couple of walks and five and a third um, seven hits, not amazing, but Boston's really a, a, a hit friendly park. We'll call it um, some big outfield gaps, but also like a huge wall and sh- a short wall, but then like ground rule, double city over in right field and the pesky pole. And like, it's just so weird and and whatnot. It's it's like a lot harder than people realize to pitch in Fenway. So um, not that I'm trying to make a ton of excuses for him. Again, he didn't have swing and miss stuff. The ball got put in play a lot. And that's what happens when the ball gets put in play a lot in Fenway park. Now uh, you, you, you look up and you've given up four runs in three innings and three of them were all in the same inning. So somewhat of a scoobal inning as well. Um, but yeah, really. And as far as like why he didn't have swing and miss stuff, I didn't think the, the stuff in a vacuum was just like awful. I didn't, I wasn't like, Oh, wow. His fastball is terrible today or his slider. That's not going to get any swings and misses at he just he didn't seem to have as much of a feel or as much, um, I don't know, electricity to like a lot of his stuff that he usually does. And they're still keeping a close eye on him. He's still coming back from a big injury. This is only what, like his fifth or sixth start back. Like we we are going to give him somewhat of the benefit of the doubt. He's still comfortably the most talented pitcher, uh, a healthy pitcher for sure in, in this organization right now. So we'll give him somewhat of the benefit of the doubt. But a 4 1 8 ERA this year, right? He's had some really, really good outings where he's pitched shutout ball, and he's had some outings where he's gotten blown up. And a lot of the innings where he's gotten, or a lot of the outings, rather, where he's gotten blown up, you can look at one inning and and point to why the final line looks the way it does. And this outing is no different. He gave up one run in the first inning. Then uh, the bullpen gave up a run that was inherited to them from Scooble in the sixth. Uh, But he got zero in the second, zero in the third, zero in the fifth, three-run fourth inning. Scuba inning lives on, something that he's definitely got to work on. Matt Manning this weekend, probably the – not even probably, definitely the best line at the end of the weekend by any Tiger starter. Uh, He would end up going – I think he only went five and a third as well. I had to jump box scores. Okay, five and a third, two hits, one earned run. Sorry, one run, no earned runs, three walks, and only one strikeout. His ERA is now 4-6. You know, it, it's it's amazing how his last outing, I was complaining about pitch sequencing. Right? Literally just his last outing. I was like, why are you not throwing the fastball? It's comfortably your best pitch. Throw the fastball, throw the fastball, throw the fastball. He threw the fastball, not exclusively, but like close to (laughs) exclusively. He threw a ton of four-seam fastballs in this outing. Uh, He would go 57% four-seamer, 20% slider, 17% curveball, and uh, only threw six change-ups in the outing. So kind of went away from that pitch completely. And the outing was much better. And I'm not saying that it's like a direct, you know, if he just throws 60% four-seam fastballs forever, he's just going to be, like, significantly better and get going to pitch shutouts for the rest of his life. No, he needs to develop consistent secondary pitches. He needs to develop a slider that he can throw closer to 30% of the time and be really effective. He needs a third pitch. Uh, We still don't know long-term whether his third pitch is going to be the curveball or the changeup. We're three years into this dude's career. When he was in the minors, he didn't have a third pitch. Now we're, we're, we're in his third season of him pitching at the major league level. We still don't know what his third pitch really is. Um, so there's still a ton of question marks. And the biggest thing is that in this outing, he had only two whiffs that were not on the four-seam fastball. The four-seamer had five, but he only had two swings and misses that were not four seam fastball swings and misses that is uh, again we talked about it this dude's entire professional career needs legitimate secondary stuff the fastball will play it will play long term everything else is a massive question mark he ended this outing with one strikeout it's not going to cut it long term but the pitch sequencing i liked a lot more throw your best pitch dude it's not not rocket science all right so I appreciated that at least, and then Erod on Sunday. I, I don't have too terribly much to say about Erod's performance. Um, he, I, I just don't think he had a feel for any of his non-forcing fastball pitches. He's another guy that when you look at the the layout, usually from start to start, the forcing fastball is always the most thrown pitch, but he has. Uh, he he's decently spread out. Like the cutter is like up there, you know, 30 ish percent of the time. And you know, the change up in the sinker, he'll mix in, you know, 10, 12, 15% of the time and whatnot. Um, Like everything outside of the slider is usually mixed in pretty well. I don't think he had any feel for anything besides his fastball on Sunday, because if you look, he, he threw the four seam fastball half of the time and every other pitch combined was the other 50% of the time. So, uh, I I just don't think he had a feel for anything else. It didn't lead to a ton, ton of swings and misses because he didn't have a feel for anything else. And it led to a lot of contact, which is very, very just like not bittersweet. What's the phrase I'm thinking of very on brand. I guess I, there's definitely a better way to phrase what I'm thinking. But like, if you watched E-Rod at all in his Red Sox career, it was ERA way higher than FIP. A lot of people arguing about him consistently because he had decent stuff but he got bad a lot I know he gave up the you know a tank in this game to Justin Turner so it it wasn't like he just got bad for five innings or whatever but just was very reflective we'll say of his Red Sox career honestly a perfect ode to uh to his five years in Boston so um then has been much better this year again no not not complaining about Erod on the mound certainly but Um, yeah definitely not his best stuff if it turns around and it's just a one bad outing then like whatever but uh, certainly was not his best stuff in this one so we'll see how it continues to look I think that's it for the starting pitching let's get to the bullpen really quickly then we'll we will get into the offense a lot of offensive performances to talk about over the weekend we'll do that right after this All right, everybody. Welcome back. Here, third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate appreciate y'all for tuning in. Be sure to shut. T- Be sure to check out the Tigers' home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers, and the next thing you know, you're listening to the Tigers' home radio broadcast anytime, any from the app. It's a very cool feature. I highly recommend it. Okay, now that I can speak again, let's get into the bullpen. The only real Like, Jason Foley came back and looked solid. I appreciated that. Really, the only big thing, I think, to talk about with the bullpen this weekend was the fact that Vasquez looked really good. And I think that that is, again, like, probably, maybe not single-handedly why, but it certainly played a big factor into the decision to let go of Jason Shreve. Uh, And then Will Vest, in his first outing back, had zero command um two walks in two-thirds of an inning gave up an inherited runner to scoobal like i said gave up a hit as well no strikeouts i mean first outing back we'll see but uh definitely a guy that i think i mean two six seven era in the year i think most people are kind of anticipating him to be in this bullpen again next year i mean rightfully so he's had a pretty solid season um and yeah, these next two months are going to be pretty important in approving that. So uh, not a great outing for sure, but uh, definitely not, you know, like some long-term I'm super worried about Will Best. Brennan White, also two scoreless outings over the w- weekend, still an ERA over five on the season, but uh, nice to see at least. Okay, let's get into the offense. There was a lot to talk about on the offensive side of the ball for the Detroit Tigers. I have four players I want to make sure I get through. Everyone else can kind of just be more of a, a, a footnote or a passing comment. But there are four conversations I want to have. One, Riley Green this weekend, solid a, as he has been. Uh, it, it's still waiting for the power to fully translate, and it will. I, I'm not worried about whether it will or won't. Um, this dude's now hitting 307 on the season with an 847 OPS. And like that 847 OPS will go up as. the the power continues to translate like if he I it would not shock me if he ended this season with like an 860 to an 880 like somewhere I guess that's kind of a big range but like somewhere on an over 860 OPS if we see the power stroke especially the pull side really like fully kind of translate because that's what he's done at every level He's, you know, got off to somewhat of a slow start at some levels, then like really caught on fire with the batting average. And then the power translates and it's over. And we're seeing like, he had a 455 foot home run like this past week, right? (laughs) Like he has one of the longest home runs in Comerica park history. And I'm like, Oh, there's, you know, he could still more consistently at least kind of get that power to translate. And that is coming. And that's super exciting. So I wanted to point that out. He had a great weekend. Um, I want to talk about Acuba do Really solid series. Some power. A couple of homers. Really solid series. His OPS is now six sixty four, which is still rough, and that's because for about two whole months, he was like hitting a hundred. Okay, so like, there, there's still quite a lot to prove. But I think, and we've talked about it before. Akil Badu is one of the most, as far as just like his personal career arc, these next few weeks are, there may not be anyone who like, it's more important for him to do well in order to stay on the roster. Because like at some point, the kids are going to get called up. And I know that we've been saying that all season, but like I genuinely believe it. At some point that's going to happen. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show as well. Um, and if you're looking at the outfield, if you are going to get rid of an outfielder to bring up Parker Meadows and/or Justin Henry Malloy, you you, who else are you going to get rid of if it's not Akil Badu? Riley Green's obviously going nowhere. Kerry Carpenter's obviously going nowhere. I don't think Matt Vierling's going anywhere. So like that just leaves Akil Badu kind of on the outside looking in. But this weekend, he was great. And if you can make that, like, look, Matt Veerling has certainly been putting the ball in play a lot more than most of the people on this team. And I think that that's valuable. And again, I, I'm not advocating for him to get sent down or anything like that. I think I think Matt Vierling should be on this team the rest of the year. His OPS is now 702. Like, uh, Matt Veerling does not draw walks, and he does not get extra base hits. Like it's 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 a lot of singles and a, a a lot of hacking and everything. Which again, he doesn't strike out like a boatload, so it's fine. He puts the ball in play. That's a skill. But seven hundred two OPS, like he he's a couple of of uh, he's an ofer, really away from having a sub seven hundred OPS, like very quietly. So. I, I think if, if Badu can stay hot and make that conversation even a little bit more difficult for everybody else, that that would go a long way into his standing within this organization because there, we're going to have another wave. We, we talked about last season how there was a big wave of like kind of the bottom of the barrel of the 40-man roster was really washed out last offseason when Scott Harris took over. I think that's going to happen again. And that's why I think these games, even if they're not of the most importance for the win and loss aspect of the game of baseball, they're certainly very important to a lot of these guys who are trying to play and audition themselves for jobs next season. And I think Badu is right in the forefront of that conversation. So good for him. Stay hot, baby. Stay hot. Keep keep making that conversation more and more difficult. I think it'll go a long way. Um, so I want to give him a shout out. Kerry Carpenter had a fantastic weekend. He has an OPS of like 1,400 over the last seven days, and I think it's over 1,000 over the last two weeks. Um, But the biggest thing that happened this weekend was he hit, I think it was the longest home run of his major league career against a lefty, and that lefty was literally Chris Sale. So, like, this conversation we had for so long, please get Kerry Carpenter more ABs against lefties. Please get him more ABs against lefties. His splits on the season. He is now has an 870 OPS against righties with 13 of his 15 home runs. Okay. And against lefties, he has a 748 OPS. A 70 o- o- blah blah blah. I cannot speak. A 748 OPS is above league average. A. B, if you're just looking at the league average OPS against lefties, even. Just league average OPS against left-handed hitters. Kerry Carpenters is a 104 OPS plus, which means his 748 OPS is 4% better than the league average OPS against left-handed hitting. He should start every single day the rest of the season. I don't even think it's a conversation anymore. He should objectively be starting every single game, righty or lefty, the remainder of the year. And I swear, if, uh, like, I'm, I'm very happy for Eric Haas. He had a home run this weekend that had to have felt good. I'm still rooting for the guy. He's a great dude. But there is no way you can convince me that with a lefty on the mound, we, like, need Eric Haas to get ABs more than Kerry Carpenter does at this point. That's just a preposterous argument on August 14th. So good for Kerry Carpenter for making adjustments, continuing to to prove everybody really wrong over the last couple of years and and just hit. The dude just hits. Respect. Mad respect. The last one I want to talk about is Spencer Torkelson. Uh, Then we'll talk about the defense, and then just talk about the rest of the season really quickly. Uh, Torque this weekend goes four for four on Saturday, but it is sandwiched in between two ofers. If that's not just a perfect representation of Spencer Torkelson's season this year, I don't really know what is Um, a couple of things. So good and bad, right? I don't don't think he looked like overmatched over the weekend. I wasn't watching uh, even the games that he went over. I wasn't looking and I was like, Oh man, this dude just looks absolutely terrible. And then like magically, you know, Saturday, he looked great. I didn't think that that was the case. Um, The, the, if I had to pick one good and one bad thing to say uh, about his weekend, the good would be that he is, I don't even know if this is like inherently like fantastic news. It's just like something that is catching my eye. He is a, a lot more okay with not pulling the ball lately, which has been something we have talked about at this show at length. How uh, like he has more success when he pulls the ball. He has more success when he pulls the ball Saturday, as well as last week when he hit an opposite field Homer, just for whatever reason, over the last week, he's been hitting the ball the opposite way a lot more, and he's been somewhat getting rewarded for it. He did have a, a fly out to the warning track that went the opposite way as well over the last like three or four games. Um, but just something to keep an eye on. I don't know if that's an adjustment. I don't know if that's just, uh, just I don't know, a coincidence just uh, some random event that has been happening over the last couple of weeks. And it's not actually reflective of anything adjustment that's been made. Um, but he's been getting rewarded for it a little bit more than uh, he was at the beginning of the season. So we'll see kind of how he looks the remainder of the year. The one bad thing, again, I didn't have inherently a problem with the O performances. I, I wasn't like this. He looks terrible or like way different than he did on Saturday when he went four for four. Um, but on Sunday, he had an opportunity to make it a ball game. And like this was, it was a three to six final. He had second and third, two outs late in the game in a three run ball game. He was the tying run and both, right? You had two runners in scoring position rather. And he grounded out to short on like the second pitch of the AB. So, like, he had some really good at-bats. I mean, the homer was a good at-bat. He had a 10-pitch A.B. this weekend. Uh, that And he had a strikeout that was a horrible call on Friday, too. That's not really his fault as much. So, it, it's just – it's, it's – I'm sure it's frustrating for him, too. I say it all the time. But it's just – it's frustrating. That, like, everybody himself included, I'm sure, again, just, like, wants consistency. And we just haven't been able to get that yet. But he shows flashes. He continues to show flashes. And we'll see – what the I mean, if you want to talk about importance of the last six weeks of the season, Spencer Torkelson is probably the most important. Not because he has a chance of like losing his job or anything, uh, but just going into the offseason with like a really nice last six weeks, I think would do him wonders. Okay. And I think that's four. Badu, green, carpenter, Torkelson. Yeah. Miggy honored, super cool. Uh, Diaz made his debut, like I said. He went 0 for with a strikeout. Not really too much else to say as far as the offense goes. It was a not a great offensive weekend. It was a, Saturday was a solid day. The other two were were pretty uh, I don't know standard, pretty on brand offensive performances for this team. Defensively, uh, again, just really kind of ridiculous weekend as far as the defense goes. Uh, throwing the ball all over the place, some throwing errors. Um, McKinstry making some mistakes. He was playing all over the diamond. Played some shortstop. Zach Short made some mistakes on Sunday. I mean, it, it really just felt like every single inning, not every single inning, every single game, there was at least one inning where everything just imploded. Um, I did want to say that Matt Vierling, I think has looked pretty solid at third. Uh, it's clearly not like second nature to him. It's not like supernatural, uh, but I think that he's been solid. And, and if you're looking at, if, whether you like outs above average or defensive runs saved, you know, teach their own. Um, but OAA has already been tracking like how he's looked at third. On the season, in right field, He is a z- he has zero outs above average. So just league average defender in right field, or net zero, I should say, defender in right field. A negative two in center field, which we've talked about all the time. A plus two in left field. He is already a plus one OAA at third base. Again, does that mean that he's going to be Nolan Arenado? Absolutely not. Uh, There's still some, he's made some mistakes. He's, he's, uh, he's already made an error. Like there's still that I'm not saying that he's like the third baseman of the future or anything, but if he can just prove to be solid there and this dude long-term can give you an OPS over 700 and play six different positions, I think that there's certainly a spot for that on any baseball team. And that's why I want him to continue playing third base because I want to see if that's a, if he's just a utility, like a fourth outfielder, or if he can truly be a utility, like player all over the diamond. That's what I'm really looking for in the last six weeks here for Veerling. Uh, as far as the rest of the season goes, I just want to talk about the schedule. And we talked about it a little bit earlier on, uh, but look at this schedule. This is like really not that daunting. And we talked about the first six weeks being brutal. Well, the last six weeks are the opposite outside of the Dodgers, there's like no one that's super scary. Okay. So we have an off day tomorrow. Then we have a two game set against the twins, a four game set against Cleveland, three games against the Cubs. They're in the hunt for sure. Then we have three games against Houston, obviously a really good team. Then we end August with a four game series against the Yankees better than you, but certainly not world beaters. Okay. So August, A lot of, that's what I'm talking about. Like you play spoilers. August is the spoilers month. Twins, Guardians, Cubs, Astros, Yankees. Every team in there. Literally every team in there. You can, you have the ability to play spoilers for. September is like, is weird. Okay. September, you have White Sox. Dreadful. Okay. Worse than you. Yankees. We just talked about White Sox again. Awful. The Reds were like America's team there for a little bit at one point in June, July have cooled off a lot Look, on the outside looking in right now. The Angels, dreadful since the trade deadline. The Dodgers, one of the best teams in baseball. And then you end the season with Oakland, Kansas City, Cleveland. So this is not like some, oh my goodness, just throw in the towel. Like this is just going to be an awful last month and a half of the season uh we're we're gonna slip and you look at this schedule and you think wow the tigers are are just gonna be like a 95 lost team like look they're they're just gonna keep sliding they traded one of their best pitchers and and from here on out it's just gonna be awful like you don't have to roll over you can make a statement you can go out there and, and 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 win some ball games and i think that that's not only important just for development purposes but i think it's very important for maybe not carrying momentum into next year i don't know how much i really believe in the next year but carrying momentum into the winter when a lot of decisions are made for sure and as far as just like a a winning mentality and, and culture within the clubhouse i think that that would go a long way not to relate everything to like the lions just because football season's about to start but like the lions didn't have to win that game against the Packers on the last game of the season. Right. And I know it's a little different. Like, I don't think the, the Tigers are just going to like catapult themselves into being like division favorites next year, but like, they didn't have to roll. They could have just like, Oh, okay. Like this game is kind of meaningless. Let's try some stuff out, but like, it doesn't really matter. Or you can go out and win some freaking baseball games. End the season with a low 70s mid, to- mid total win total, and build upon that. And when you go in and you sign free agents and you make acquisitions over the off season, you're adding it to a team that's you know was eight, nine, ten games under 500, had a low or mid 70s win total on the season, and is adding pieces to try to get to 500 rather than. We're adding pieces to a 65 to 67 win team that's still well away from even being 500. A lot of the mindsets will change if you just don't roll over in a very winnable schedule. That's all I'm trying to say. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. Uh, Be sure to check out Lockdown MLB great show over there. Sully, a great dude. And yeah, be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM XM app. Just search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, you're listening to the Tigers home broadcast anytime, anywhere. It is truly awesome. We have a great booth as well. How could you not want to listen to Dan? Okay. I think that's everything. Peace and love going to therapy's dope. We'll be back tomorrow on an off day. Go Tigers, baby.